the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You know, it's been about 24 hours and I'm still waiting for Jason Tatum to tell me what gods will do. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadiumscene.tv network and we are part of the Overtime Media crew. And we're just coming off the biggest win in terms of margin of victory in points in Raptors franchise history with a 127-81 win over the Indiana Pacers. And here I am earlier in this season saying, don't sleep on the Pacers. Well, fuck my life. Joining me to discuss all things Toronto Raptors is the one and only Jason Jay Rosales, sorry, of Raptors HQ and the co-host of That's a Rap podcast. Amongst like, you know, you're having guest spots on the Fan 590, you're on CBC. Dude, you are like pretty famous now in Raptors territory. No, I am not famous, but I am honored to be on the show. Uh, thanks for the intro. That was really sweet. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I got to say, you I mean, you, you touched upon it a bit there in terms of like, the thrashing that the Raptors just put in the pages, man, we are, we as Raptors fans are really spoiled right now. <laughs> and I'm just happy that, you know, I get to jump on your pod and we can talk about it because this, this team is just so fun to watch, dude. And, you know, if it's whoever it is that calls me and says, Hey, let's talk Raptors. I I'll jump on and I can talk about Raptors for days. So I'm excited, dude. Let's, Let's get to this. It's amazing that, you know, given the circumstances, given all the injuries that we've um, experienced, and I say this after, you know, at the beginning of every show, because it, it doesn't cease to amaze me how incredible and resilient this team is. And, you know, I'll be fair, you know, there was no Victor Oladipo tonight. Right, and obviously we can say that if Oladipo played tonight, maybe the score would have been closer. I don't. I still think the Raptors would have walked away with it, but I think it would have been a little bit closer. It definitely would have been a little bit more exciting. Um, having said that, though, with the depleted roster that the Raptors are running out there, you know, no Norman Powell, no Marcus Hall, and of course, no Patrick McCaw tonight. Good God, what was Nick Nurse to do tonight? But he managed to do it. Um, it's just incredible that this team is so goddamn resilient and so full of like I, I can't explain it it's just this season has surpassed all my expectations and I just couldn't be more proud to be a Toronto Raptors fan right now well I mean look at the game itself I mean there were everything was working on both sides of the ball like and if we if we look back on the the recent 15 game win streak the what fueled the Raptors is always going to be their defense but it was actually the offense that was number one in the NBA throughout that 15-game win streak. Mm-hmm. So we got a taste of both. We got a taste of that number one offense, and that defense absolutely came through again. And this was a season-low points for the for um, points allowed for the Raptors. So I mean, I guess my question to you is, what impressed you more about this game? Was it the offense that was just clicking and not missing, or was it the defense that was just really just burying Indiana and never letting them get up? That's a good question, because in the beginning of the game, the defense, especially that first quarter, that defense was awe-inspiring for me. But I was also commenting and tweeting like ad nauseum about how unbelievable the ball movement was at the same time. So I just think that the thing that has been consistent for me, and this may be, you know, controversial or maybe i don't know for raptors fans um the defense for me has always been 
up to par. I haven't really seen a lot of lapses on the defensive end. On the offensive end, it's not necessarily that I've seen lapses, but there have been periods of times or stretches of times in a game where certain players go cold, and they sort of try to force it. Uh, you've seen that with Siakam a little bit. Um, not tonight, but in you know during that 15-game win streak when he didn't have it. Um, same, sometimes with Fred Van Vliet, sometimes with Lowry. Certain players get into little cold spouts, but all in all, the defense has been amazingly consistent. So I guess in terms of what I've been more impressed with, it has to be the defense tonight, at, at least. Yeah, and you know what? It's um, I'm going to actually counter that and say that what impressed me more is is the offense. Um, and, and that's not because I'm not impressed by this defense, because, you know, adding to your point, it's just when you, you're watching this team flying around on defense, it, you just have to marvel at it, right? And right. It, it's like they're all like on a string, and they all can. There's like this, um, this, this telekinetic energy between them. They all know where to go. Um, they're anticipating passes correctly. They are anticipating each other's movements. There is a fluidity to the way that this team moves that will always keep them in any game. Um, but the reason I bring up the offense is because. That is what will take the Raptors over the hump. And, you know, it's games like these against a very formidable opponent and possible playoff opponent in, mm. in the Pacers where when the offense is clicking like this, when Siakam's outside shot is falling, when, you know, Terrence Davis is able to hit threes in rhythm and when, Greg, we, got, we finally got the Matt Thomas game. <laughs> I know it was garbage time, but we joked about this you know, preseason about like, you know, is Matt Thomas going to have the game where he hits, you know, four plus threes a game? And he had that within a matter of minutes. So, I mean, when the offense is clicking like this, that is where, you know, the the, the dreams of a title defense really start to creep up in my mind. And I, I know that there are obviously some doubts because, you know, there is a, a very strong team in Wisconsin that has a say in that. And there are a pair of strong teams in California to have a say in that. But watching this offense click against, again, a very solid defense in the Pacers is, uh, is, is something that has me very, very intrigued. It's important to know, and we should know, if anyone hasn't picked up on it already, we are recording this almost like a, probably an hour after the, the Raptors destroyed the Indiana Pacers on Sunday evening. Um, and it, for me, you know, going back to the point of you know sort of regretting but not really regretting because I don't I don't think it was necessarily a bad take um you know telling people not to sleep on the Indiana Pacers we I think it's in our nature as NBA fans to find teams that are sort of like sleepers or find teams that are sort of under the radar and not getting enough credit and you know it's kind of weird that I say that and search for other teams that aren't the Toronto Raptors because that's pretty much what's happening right now, right? It, it's pretty much the truth that the Raptors aren't and have not been getting the credit that they deserve. They've been not talked about enough, and I know that's a, a talking point amongst many Canadians up north uh, regarding the American media and their their lack of respect for the defending champions. But for me, like, maybe that's it. Maybe the Toronto Raptors are the team that people are sleeping on and they shouldn't. Maybe the Toronto Raptors are the team that are under the radar and are just not being recognized for how good they are. And I and I sort of verbalized this in a tweet earlier when I said, you know, those that disrespect the Raptors and call them trash and call them pretenders, 
I wonder if their minds would be changed if they actually watched a game like tonight. Because you know they don't watch games. You know they don't watch these Raptors games. And if they are watching Raptors games, it's against their favorite teams. right? So it makes you wonder if their minds would be changed if they watch a game like tonight's against Indiana. Yeah, and I think that what you're going to see is... You know, whether or not these, and I agree with you, a lot of these Fairweather fans are not watching the Raptors. Even, even that, and I, I, just from my interactions with those who um, I got to know over the past year, those who admitted to me that they were also bandwagon fans of the Raptors last season, mm. is that they're also sleeping on the Raptors. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when, when the Raptors performing this well may not shock you or I, it seems to be shocking a lot of people, and I think it's we're, we're we underestimated how we, as in the Raptors fans in general, have underestimated the team that Masai has built and the coaching ability of Nick Nurse. Um, you and I, I know even before the season, we didn't have any doubts that this Raptors team could could really do well. I think where the surprise comes in is how well they're doing, and. You know, we're closing in on our ninth consecutive season now of overshooting our Vegas uh, prediction for wins. So yeah. this is that's an amazing accomplishment. I don't know if any team has ever accomplished that in, in, in terms of constantly doing better than Vegas predicts. But, but back to the original point, I think that the best way for the Raptors uh, to continue to prove these doubters wrong is to, to do it one game at a time. And I think that tonight's game against the Pacers was a huge indicator of what to expect in the playoffs because this is the third game in three weeks against the Pacers. So at this point, it's almost like a playoff series where you're so used to seeing this team so frequently that you know each other's plays. And typically what happens then is that, you know, you know each other's plays so well that they end up being defensive battles and they end up being... um, games where you you know everything that they're going to do so therefore it's just a struggle to get points but that was not the case here nick nurse still had an extra uh not even just nick nurse everyone on this team had this extra gear to kick into in this hypothetical fourth and final game of the of the the quote-unquote season series Hmm. and they pulled it out so i mean if we look back to that first game of the year where uh the raptors were shorthanded going into indiana and you know fresh off of that incredible comeback over over dallas um the raptors lost that in overtime but nick nurse and his crew came back with a game plan against this very tough Pacers squad and pulled out three straight wins so i think that's a good indicator of what to expect in the playoffs in terms of this team's ability to answer the first punch and counter you know and once they have a fully healthy squad this is going to be a completely different team and a completely different narrative moving forward. Like, we cannot underestimate the defensive presence and the rim protection um, that Marcus All uh, establishes for the Raptors, and we can't underestimate the the hot streak that Norman Powell was on, and hopefully when he's when he comes back is able to carry over. Um, but look, we got a whole lot to talk about. The, right now, the Raptors, after tonight's win, I want to say they're 42-15, and 15, um, second in the Eastern Conference. Because Boston lost to the Lakers tonight, the Raptors now have a comfortable two-and-a-half lead over Boston, and they are only six-and-a-half games behind the Bucks. I say only kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, 
would it surprise me if they reached the first seed? A little bit. Like, I'm not going to lie about it because the Bucks are pretty fucking good. But still, the, the Raptors are more than holding their own. Um, but like I said, we have a whole lot to talk about. But before we do, kind of want to get some house cleaning on the way. First of all, if you're listening to this for the first time, welcome to the show. We appreciate the download. We appreciate the listen. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot. If you can toss us five stars and a quick review, helps us out a bunch. Um, if I sound a little different... Uh, for you guys tonight it's because I got a new microphone um, so I'm trying to kind of upgrade my equ- equipment where po- wherever possible and um, hopefully this is pleasing to the ears uh, and lastly I mentioned on Twitter that I do have a pretty big announcement um, so next week I am recording a show on Friday evening live person to person it is the first time I've ever done a person to person podcast Friday evening. Mr. Peter K will be coming down to Boston for a family event and he hit me up and he said we should totally get together. So we are going to record a podcast together face to face. I'm going to be ridiculously out of my element. Hopefully I'm able to maintain the same sort of comfort and poise that I do via Skype like right now. But you know, person to person is a completely different ballgame. I'm sure you can attest to that too when you guys did the person to person podcast um, at the end of the season last year. Would you agree that it's yeah. sort of different? Absolutely. It is different. At the same time, it's very exciting. I think you were one of the first to comment that the you could tell that there was a difference, though, in, in a positive way, right? Mm. The, the, the chemistry and the ability to, to have some banter that was a little bit more fluid, for lack of a better word. Um, uh, I can't wait for that one. Um, every time Peter K comes on, it's always a great episode, so I'm looking forward to that. That's really an exciting announcement. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, we've been planning this literally since I want to say like October or November. He told me because you know my ass can't get up to Toronto because I have a child and a wife and we have responsibilities here. And every time that my wife and I sort of try to save up the funds, something else in the house has to fuck up and we have to pay for it. So it like depletes the vacation <laughs> fund. Um, it never ends. But now we finally get the opportunity to go face to face, Mr. Peter HBK and myself. So uh, we got that to look forward to. That should be up. Saturday morning, but it will be recorded Friday night. I'm sure there will be plenty of pictures, and uh, hopefully Peter and I will be able to watch the Charlotte game against the Raptors that night as well. So that's the announcement. Keep your uh, podcast feeds on lock. Check it out, hopefully, this weekend. But we got a lot to cover tonight. We're going to get to it right after this commercial break. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's go in chronological order here. Um, The All-Star Game. Quite possibly the greatest All-Star Game I personally have ever seen. And what made it even better is the amount of Raptors representation there were and how well the Raptors represented themselves during the All-Star Weekend. Um, When it comes to Siakam and the Skills Challenge and during the game, Nick Nurse coaching, Kyle Lowry taking charge left, right, and center, Siakam putting on a show. It It was great. And, you know, the... The way the All-Star game ended, much to the chagrin of a lot of people, I thought it was exciting. But let's just get into it. How do you feel about the weekend itself and moreover the way the Raptors were in the spotlight in uh, All-Star weekend? You know, I've uh, experienced my fair share of All-Star weekends. And, you know, recency bias aside, I have to agree. That was the most exciting All-Star game I've ever witnessed. And... You could see the way it was playing out in terms of, okay, well, LeBron's team kind of 
you know, hit uh, hit the ground running first and, and came out with that first quarter, a part of me knew, okay, whether or not it was given up or not, Team Giannis was going to get the second quarter. Yeah. Um, it didn't look like the, the Team LeBron kind of took their, their foot off the pedal. It looks like Team Giannis started to really click there. Um, and then I got excited at halftime because I, I was playing, I was trying to play it out in my head in terms of, okay, how is this going to play out? Because now this third quarter is really pivotal, right? You want to be the one ahead heading into the fourth. Mm-hmm. So I was anticipating a competitive third, and we saw that it ended up being tied, and then an ultra-competitive fourth. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't anticipate was, okay, well, if the target score is 24 points in the fourth quarter, I figured, okay, well, both teams are just going to try out their starters. But both teams didn't. Um, they they waited for a free sh- the, the first few points to come in, and then, then when it started to get kind of down to crunch time, was all right. Let's put on our, our our closing lineups, and that's when things got really, really interesting. And um, I I was at the edge of my seat. I was I don't know about you, but beyond the excitement after every bucket, uh, I burst out laughing each time Lowry attempted to take a charge. Oh yeah, the first time against LeBron, which should have been a charge, which should have been a, a foul, but wasn't. I I chuckled. <laughs> then the then the Kawhi charge happened and I burst out laughing and and then the hard one and I was downright hysterical like it was a combination of pure glee and you know just shoving in everyone's faces like this man came here to play like Kyle Lowry if anything showed all NBA fans what Raptors fans already knew but add in the that extra element of okay this was quintessentially a a tribute to kobe bryant yes and yet it's kyle lowry who kind of epitomized that whole mamba mentality and doing whatever it takes to win and i just couldn't be happier with with how he played and then on top of that too um you know nick nurse coached the hell out of uh the the guys he had right this is a, a an all-star game that should have been um a blowout for team lebron and you know, of course, Team Giannis. I mean, Giannis himself had a, played a big role in making sure that that was tight, but he didn't really touch the ball much in the fourth quarter on the offensive end, right? And to see Siakam making some, taking the some isolation plays there and, and trying to back down Harden with the game on the line, and of course, we've already touched up on Lowry. I mean, the Raptors representation was solid, and whether or not this appeals to uh, a certain Greek free agent in a year or so (laughs) or not i sure as hell can tell you that it appeals to every free agent in the summer of 2021 i hope so and you know what i loved about this particular all-star game is the the competitive nature of that fourth quarter because i think that's what we were walking into when we found out uh, how the structure was changing how you know the first three quarters are going to be individualized and the last quarter was going to be pretty much all the marvels up to 24 um for me it was i I walk into all-star games thinking you know why should i care when really the NBA players don't really care. And I don't mean that in a degrading way. It's more that obviously they don't want to push themselves. Obviously they don't want to risk injury during an all-star game because it's a quote-unquote pointless game. At least before this year, it was a quote-unquote pointless game. Um, It didn't count towards anything. So obviously you don't want to get hurt. And a lot of the times, you know, at least in recent history, they just kind of play and have fun and just sort of like, you know, highlight it. It's like sort of like an NBA jam game. Um, 
but you know, humanly possible NBA Jam game. Um, <laughs> but it, so I, I walked into this in the first two quarters. I was like, yeah, it's kind of much of the same. Like they're just, you know, n- no one's really pushing it except for Giannis. And I felt like Giannis was really setting the tone for that team because him on his team, he was, it was like a, just a normal Bucks game for him. He was muscling out. He was playing hard. And sort of the same thing with Kawhi on LeBron's team. Like, he was taking no bullshit. He was playing like he would normally play. And so those two sort of set the tone. And then you walk into the third, and it was kind of amping up. And then the fourth quarter was just incredible. And for me, seeing Lowry take those charges, you're right. Especially the one against Kawhi. Because that was sort of... I, I can't imagine that any Raptors fan wasn't personally gratified about that. Wasn't personally like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, just like <laughs> within themselves would be like, yeah, that's you left this. You left this behind. And like, you know, it's just gratified by it all. And, you know, even though it ended in sort of an anticlimactic fashion, for me, it's... It's just representative of what kind of players we have on our Toronto Raptors squad. And Kyle Lowry was the epitome of that. And he walked into this All-Star game getting a lot of heat, from, especially from NBA Twitter. Like, why is Kyle Lowry in this All-Star game? He doesn't deserve to be in it. And he's, I think he sort of proved like, nah, man, I belong in this shit. And it, all you people can can eat it because this is where I belong. I'm a six-time All-Star for a reason. And for me, it's kind of a shame because, like, still at the end of this, maybe outside of Raptors Twitter, that's not true. What I'm about to say isn't true. But at the end of this, Chris Paul still got the majority of the attention. Sort of for good reason, but I still think Kyle Lowry stole the show. I agree. And, you know, the, of course, the you're alluding to this, but you, you're, you're kind enough not to name names. But the names that I kept seeing in terms of who should have been in there in the, the final quarter instead of Kyle Lowry Butler was Trey Young. Oh, and Trey Young. Yeah. And you know what? It's, I think the best tweet I saw in terms of the best answer was, you know, the fans and, and the media and the coaches, they voted on the starters, but they didn't vote on the finishers. Mm. And mm-hmm. Nick Nurse know, knows who, who he can trust. Right. And, you know, he took this game seriously, and he knew that, okay, well, my best lineup in there is going to include my two guys, plus Giannis and Embiid. And I'm curious on the Kemba Walker inclusion, but I can see why. Uh, how did you feel about that closing lineup? Like, for me, personally, if if the focus is on... Um, you know, you, you've got a, a very, like, an un, almost an unstoppable defensive lineup out there. Um, and then Kemba, who can hit the outside shot, I would have gone with Jimmy Butler. Yes. But, I mean, that's yes. just me. I mean, what, were you cool with that closing lineup? Actually, for both sides, were, were you cool with the closing lineups? Because the West, I, I mean, on Team LeBron, I think I was okay with that. It's just, I was a little bit perplexed about Kemba's inclusion there because he was being picked on, right? Right. Similar to to on Team LeBron where, okay, well, Siakam's going to try to operate in Harden. Um, it wasn't as effective as you would have liked, but, you know, he, he got scored a couple of... Uh, he, he got a couple of foul calls on that and it kind of worked. It almost worked. Um, but yeah, on the other end, it was just, okay, let's, let's switch it up and try to pick on Kemba. I didn't have any issues with LeBron's... The Team LeBron's closing lineup. Like, and, and to be honest, I, I didn't have that much of a of a horse in the race on that end. Obviously, I was rooting for Giannis um, just because of the Raptors aspect, but uh, I would have gone with Butler, and I know a lot of people hate on Butler, especially in Raptors Twitter. Um, I'm a kind of a closet Butler fan. 
I really like him. I like his tenacity. I, I know people like to call him a locker room cancer, but I think that was just sort of like the circumstances towards the end of his Chicago run with Wade and Rondo. Like, I think that was kind of weird. And um, the Minnesota Timberwolves thing didn't give him, do him any favors, but that organization has kind of run terribly anyway, so I can kind of see where he came from. I don't necessarily agree with how it was handled. But for me, I just like his tenacity. I like his fearlessness. I like his clutch uh, aspect of his game. And he's just a, a certified Raptors killer. He always has been. So for me, like I kind of, it's kind of like the NWO, right? If you can't beat him, join him. I kind of want to gravitate right. towards Jimmy Butler. So <laughs> at, at that end, um, I would have much rather seen him play. And I think uh, Team Giannis would have been better off with him on the floor just because he's so super clutch. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't agree at all that Trey Young should have been in there. I, I don't know why people are harping on it. I think that, like much like Steph Curry, they get attached to the offense and the flashiness, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see a reason why he would ever close that out. Really, I think you touched upon something there with with Jimmy Butler. Is uh, you know, I agree that I'm 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 also coming around on him, um, and I'm I've stopped calling him a, a locker room cancer because look at the teams you just listed and how they've done since he left, yeah. right? The Bulls went downhill, the T-Wolves are still going downhill, and the Sixers this year are headed in the wrong direction. I mean, we pointed this out in our in when when me and the rest of the That's a Wrap guys joined your preseason podcast and talked about this. There, I, I, At least I did. I, I know one of us did express concern about philadelphia yes and the, the point we made was okay well yes they've add, added al horford and josh richardson but the concern there is well who's going to take your shot in the fourth quarter when it's getting down to it and the loss of jj reddick too is okay well who's going to be your outside shooter now so uh, we're starting to see that now and it's it's actually way worse than i would have anticipated um but back to the point about butler it's he you know say what you will about his intensity and how it may rub come off as the wrong way but i only see positives now and we're seeing how that's affecting this miami heat team which you know frankly shouldn't be doing as well as it is but combine his uh leadership with eric spolstra's coaching and uh, that's that's a team that's scary to me in the in the second half of the season you know, not to harp on Jimmy Butler too much, but I do want to give credit to the notion that he's been relatively quiet in terms of a behind-the-scenes antics kind of thing. And I think that's pretty much what we're, we were just alluding to in terms of him being a, a locker room cancer or lack thereof. Because you would think that if he was this uh, you know, disruptive type of player for a team, that that would carry over everywhere. I didn't really get that feeling when he went to Philadelphia. In fact, it was sort of welcome and... You know, I think the reason, obviously, you know, other than not being offered a contract, unless he was, I'm not necessarily sure about that, but I think the whole aspect of how Philadelphia got eliminated, maybe he just didn't want any part of it. Maybe it was just like, that's something I want to just walk away from and start fresh, right? And that's why he went to Miami. Um, I'm sure there were other circumstances involved, but it, I'm, I'm sure that the way they got eliminated had a lot to do with it. Um but for me, it's just like he is sort of taken over and being a leader for that squad. And, you know, you got to give him props because at the end of the game, when he was being interviewed, um, he said something to the notion that anytime he's on Kyle Lowry's team, it's a win. And for me, that yeah. I, I don't know that that was talked about enough. I don't know that that was acknowledged enough because, you know, that is someone that is regarded as a superstar in the league and very highly regarded amongst fans. Um 
giving props to Kyle Lowry. And it's not the first time this has happened. Like, LeBron has done it, too. Other players have done it. But still, Lowry's sort of getting this disrespect thrown his way. So, like, circling back to Lowry and how he hasn't been, like, celebrated as a result of the performance at the All-Star game, what does he have to do? Or should we just, like, claim it as our own and say, no, that's our point guard, You whatever, you can think what you want about him. Because for me, like, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this criticism towards Kyle Lowry is baseless and just unfair. So what does he have to do to get people to get over it? I think he doesn't have to do a damn thing. All right. <laughs> and I think, I think what you touched upon there is the reason why. Is, yes, he's getting the flack from, you know, the Fairweather fans, from some people in the media, but as long as he's getting the respect of fellow players, I think that's all he cares about. And that's all he's getting, really, right? You just you just said it, right? LeBron's been been throwing some good words at him. Butler has too. And and just just a quick quick thing about Butler. Uh, I think the reason why the the comment that Butler made about Larry isn't getting enough uh, attention as it should have is because he made a separate comment about yeah. the Raptors yeah. uh, claiming that, oh, have they beaten us yet? So I think that's the one that's <laughs> a little bit funnier to... It's a little bit more media-friendly quote, so um, yeah, that's why that's probably getting more love. But I mean, to your, to the the point about Lowry, I think yeah, he's he's quite happy with where he's at. I mean, the 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 six consecutive All Stars will speak to that. The championship ring will obviously do all the talking for him, and you know his his performance in the finals, especially in in Game Six, is going to live on forever. And as long as he's got that, it really doesn't matter what he does from here on out. Um, this is this season has always been the you know you know just playing with house money season, and look what the Raptors have done with that, and look what Lowry has done with it. I mean, mm. there are I there are times in the game where you and I can already see you know what's the what what it is that has poked the bear, right? Yes. Yeah. And whether it's a call that wasn't made or whether it was a time where where he fouled someone where he felt like he didn't, you know when it's going to happen. And you know within the next play or two, he's A, going to get a charge, or B, going to hit some dagger three. And I don't remember him being this reliable in terms of hitting that spot that just kills the opponent. And that killer instinct has been coming out through and through throughout the season and I don't know if that's just a product, if, if that is a product of winning a championship, if it gives you that extra, um, I guess, focus and intensity during games, or he just continues to age like fine wine. Like, this guy <laughs> continues to come through whenever he's pushed. And I I can't say enough about this guy. I, it's funny because uh, a year ago, we were talking about... Um, to the day we were talking about actually no i think it was yesterday a year ago we were talking about demar Derozan's return to toronto right and we specifically i mean our podcast was centered around Derozan, and we called him the greatest rapper raptor of all time that that was the the title of our episode and that seems like it was 10 years ago now because so much has happened in this year that I don't know what we were thinking to say that DeRozan was the greatest rapper Raptor of all time when ever since then, like the second April hit and 
playoff Kyle, the, the notion of playoff Kyle changed. The playoff Kyle was no longer a negative connotation, but a championship winning and positive one. I don't know what we were thinking at the time because a year later, it's Kyle without a doubt, 100% mic drop because I I can't imagine not even this season, but this franchise without him. Like, where would this franchise be? And, you know, again, to see that on full display in the All-Star game, um, it's it's going to, the reverberations of that will be felt beyond just that game. Like, yes, that All-Star game will be remembered forever, probably, but what this could mean down the road in terms of, A, Kyle getting more respect from the referees come playoff time, and B, what could this mean when free agents need to choose where they want to go? Um, you have this guy who's walking the walk and talking the talk. And what more could you ask for from Kyle Lowry? Nothing, right? And this is a guy that, you know, we'll use tonight's game as an example against Indiana. Um, up 30 points, taking charges. What point guard <laughs> takes a charge up 30 points? Your point guard would never. They would never, never. And that's the thing. Like, he's kind of like, I don't know if, like, back in the day you played NBA Live but if on, like, Sega or whatever. But if you have, like, it's kind of like you're playing on easy mode. And, like, yeah. you, you press the A button and the player automatically gets into position. Doesn't even run, just sort of slides into it. That's how Kyle Lowry is. Like, somehow he knows exactly where to be at the exact same time that he needs to be there. And I don't know that that's just luck. I really legitimately believe that this is a matter of studying skill. Like, this is a matter of knowing your opponent like the back of your hand and knowing exactly what your opponent's tendencies are. And I don't know that you get that a lot from other players, really. And I think this is what makes Kyle Lowry so special. And that is developed with tenure. That's developed with, you know, years and years in the league and knowing who you're playing against night in and night out. Because let's face it, like being on the same team for as long as Lowry has been, you're going to become very familiar with the same players because there's not a lot of, you know, movement when it comes to just non-superstars, right? Superstars are the ones that move throughout teams to team, whereas, like, a lot of role players like to stay the same, on, on the same team, rather. So when it comes to Kyle Lowry, for me, it's kind of, I don't know, I, I just think that Twitter, I think it's just become a meme right now to hate on him because, it's like I said, it's baseless. There is no evidence to support this, right? And any evidence that is being brought to the table always comes down to playoff Lowry. That's the one constant that I always hear is playoff Lowry. And anytime I hear that or it's thrown my way, I always like to throw out the challenge. Like, do you even look at the numbers? Do you even look at his playoff totals? Do you even take a look at the numbers? Because honestly, they're not that bad. Like, and they'll say superstars don't score zero points in the playoffs. Okay, well, uh, it was one game. It was against the Magic. And uh, it's, I, I don't know what else to tell you because he's other than that game, he was just fine. So I, I just other than, other than the points, yes. the rest of the game was fine. Yes, yes, and I'm just I just don't understand. So for me, it's kind of like it. It comes down to you can forget about Chris Paul. Like I know Chris Paul is the constant comparison to Kyle Lowry. You can forget about Chris Paul. How do people like Marcus Smart and hate Kyle Lowry? Because for me, other than a few inches of height, they're the same exact player. In fact, obviously, I think Kyle Lowry's better, but I just think in terms of their the way they play, the physicality that they play, and the defensive tenacity that they play, they're almost the same exact player. So I just don't understand how people can hate on them. I just don't get it. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and I agree with you. And, you know, what's going to happen, too, is that I think the comparison with Smart is is, is a good one, too, because... 
Um, what will end up happening too is this will get magnified if Marcus Smart makes the all-defense team and mm. Kyle Lowry doesn't even get a vote. And that'll just fuel exactly what you were saying. It'll just fuel the fire there that these Raptors continue to get um, overlooked. And, you know, kind of staying on that thing about all defense is is when you look at the Raptors closing lineup and this this probably I'm probably answering my own uh, question here in terms of, you know, why would Lowry get snubbed? Look at the Raptors' closing lineup and tell me where the hole is defensively. Because, I mean, you could make the argument that despite Lowry being the the the, the team leader in in charges drawn, he might be the worst defender of that five man unit. If you think about Gasol's ability, like defensive versatility, Siakam having to switch between whoever he's guarding and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was, uh, I forgot the, the Twitter account, uh, I think it was Krishna Narsu had, um, you know, he he'd plugged in some numbers in terms of defensive flexibility, um, you know, guarding um, multiple players within a game or within a possession. And he came up with some formula and number one in the entire NBA is Pascal Siakam in terms of Whoa. defensive flexibility. Uh, I know that uh, obviously all I was looking for was Raptors. And I know that Chris <laughs> Boucher, Chris Boucher was third, and Serge Ibaka was ninth. Um, wow! I want to say Marcus Smart is in that top ten as well. I can see but that. But it just yeah. goes to show you the the um, uh, the flexibility of these guys, and and I haven't even mentioned the best, one of the best on ball defenders in the league, in, in OG Ananobi, hmm. and then you've got the Steph stopper in, in Fred Van Vliet. I mean, this team is stacked with defensive ability. And, um, you know, back to the point about Lowry is like, I, I think that sits just fine with him, you know, kind of laying in the cut, not really expecting much from him. And then bam, he hits you with a charge or he hits you with a steal that you're not thinking about, or he's full court pressing you and leading a turnover. And it's it just speaks to what he can bring, whether or not it shows up on the box score. So uh, I couldn't be happier with with how him and the rest of the guys have come out this season and just kind of continue to prove the doubters wrong. And it, I know this is a bit of a tangent here, but I got to say that what I want at the end of the season is I want people to stop mentioning Kawhi. And, and that's yes. not to say, you know, he didn't, help bring a championship here but i what i want out of this season is just people to stop saying that this championship the raptors got last year was because of Kawhi, and i want that narrative to end because we're well past that this team is not identified by what Kawhi took off the table this team was solid and a championship contender without him and they're proving that game by game and this next one against milwaukee is another signature moment in this season. And I, spoiler alert, think they're going to win because this team is just clicking on all cylinders right now. And I just can't wait to see this game. The thing about that narrative, and we can harp on this for a little bit, the thing about that narrative about Kawhi Leonard, the only way that that's going to be eradicated is if they win the championship. I honestly believe Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know... I tweeted out, you know, and obviously this isn't a barometer to to measure whether or not Kawhi Leonard is a game changer. I just, 
you know, there was that video clip of how uh, Kawhi Leonard carried all of Canada and to a championship and carried the Toronto Raptors. I completely disagree with that. My defense, or, you know, poor defense of that, was just listing the records of the Clippers and the Raptors. And, you know, although that's not nearly enough evidence to demonstrate that, I do think that going on a 15-game winning streak lends credence towards, you know, the, the notion that Kawhi didn't carry this team. And I also think that losing a handful of games within their past five, especially most recently to the Sacramento fucking Kings, lends credence <laughs> to the fact that Kawhi doesn't carry teams, right? They just, he just doesn't. That's not any disrespect to Kawhi Leonard. He's just... I don't know. I, I, the notion that he carried the Raptors is insulting because, it, for me, my response to that is, so if the Raptors didn't have Pascal Siakam, are they still winning the championship? And if the answer is no, okay, so did Pascal Siakam carry them? If the Raptors had Dwayne Casey still and not Nick Nurse, are they still winning the championship? No. Okay, so did Nick Nurse carry them to a championship? Like, you can't just cherry-pick who carries who to a championship. Yes, Kawhi Leonard hit that amazing shot against Philadelphia to, to propel them. I'm not taking anything away from that and I'm not saying that wasn't meaningful but to say that this wasn't a complete team effort I I just think that's ignorant I I just I don't see the merit in that and you can't convince me otherwise so for me in order for this narrative to be eradicated is that they have to win the championship and unfortunately even if they don't win the championship I feel like Raptors fans are smart enough to know that that still isn't true that Kawhi carried them but unfortunately the mainstream media will hang on that and once again, the Raptors will be choke artists in their mind. Well, what about this? What if the Raptors don't win the championship, but make it one round further than the Clippers? The East is weaker. That's what they'll say. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say, because like, what if, like, let's say the, the Raptors make it to the NBA Finals, but lose to the Lakers, but that also means they got further than the Clippers. Is that enough to prove the point that the Raptors are better off, or not better off, but like that that they proved some of the doubters wrong, that they were able to advance further, uh, maybe again, not winning a championship, but advancing further without Kawhi Leonard and advancing further than Kawhi's team. But I, I get what your point is. Like, yeah, they'll harp on East being um, quote-unquote weaker when, you know, I was looking at, uh, I believe it was Synergy's um, latest tweet. That they're, they're, they tweeted during the All-Star break about, Okay, where does the NBA stand right now? They have the, you know their their x-axis and y-axis indicating you know offensive and defensive efficiencies, and your your good teams are the ones that are both you know good in offense and defense. And mm-hmm. there are 10, 10 teams in that bracket, five from the east, five from the west, and then you look over at the uh, the, the the lower left uh, quadrant, which is uh, below average defense, below average offense, and lo and behold. There are five teams in the East and five teams in the West. So yeah. I, I argue that the East is not as weak as we we think that they it is. I, I think head-to-head, yes, the West is winning head-to-head. But I don't think the, the chasm is as large as it is in most people's minds. No, especially not compared to previous years. Like this is, we've talked about it, probably the most balanced it has been in a while. So for me, it's just, I just think that's it's now the, the cool thing to do is just to hate on the Raptors, right? And I don't know what it's going to take for them to find respect from the NBA community outside of Toronto and maybe outside of my basement. But like for me, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I, at the end of the day, 
I know what this team is capable of. You know what this team is capable of. We see, especially the coaching. This is one of the most underrated aspects of this team is the coaching. And that does not get enough respect. And how this, how Nick Nurse is not on the forefront of everybody's mind of coach of the year is just beyond me. Maybe he is. But if he is, he's not being talked about enough. So I, I, I don't know. I, for me, it's, it's just sort of life as a Raptors fan. Just this is what we go through every day, right? It's the disrespect is part of it, and unfortunately, after you know wrapping it back to the All Star game, unfortunately, after a strong showing, it still comes down to someone else not named Kyle Lowry. And I understand, like there are players that did you know perform well, but Kyle Lowry for me, like he didn't steal the show, but he definitely made an impression. And it, for me, it, it's unfortunate that he's just not talked about enough. And same goes with Pascal Siakam and same goes with Nick Nurse because you know if Brad Stevens was coaching this All-Star game, that would have been talked about a, a lot more. Yeah, I agree. Interesting take. and But I do agree. And I, I'll, it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to see what play would have been drawn up for Team Giannis had they, cause had they, they never had the opportunity to even um, they didn't have the ball with the opportunity to get 157 mm. because uh, Embiid hit those free throws, brought them with the 155, but then LeBron's team just ended up scoring and game was over. Um, my interest was in you know I, I tweeted this out you know a week before uh, about the game was just imagine Nick Nurse drawing up the hammer play, our <laughs> famous play after a timeout. You see Giannis running down, like dribbling, you know, full head of steam into the lane. They're just anticipating he's going to try to win the game on his on his own, and then he kicks it out to the corner, and there's Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Lowry. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to see it so bad, and again, it's it's a shame that it ended on a free throw. But at the same time, that's the rules, right? <laughs> and if for those who are complaining that it ended on a free throw, I've heard a couple of very good suggestions. One being. Um, that the free throw, if it's made, and of course it was made, but it pushes the uh, the target score up whenever the free throw is made. So right, if, yeah. if if AD had hit one free throw, which he did, that pushes the target score up one more, and that just makes it one more point that Team Giannis has to get, or vice versa. Hmm. Uh, AD hits a free throw, and it removes a point from Team Giannis. So that you know prohibits the game ending on a free throw. Um, but again... It and this, this, these are the rules, right? It, it's the same rules that that Lowry was playing with when he took a charge. Hey, it's in the rules. I can take a charge in an also game. Don't <laughs> say I can't. So uh, it ends because those are the rules, and you can't really complain about it. Team LeBron got the win, and they deserved it. Um, but I'm more than happy to to say that it wasn't because any of the Raptors who represented a Team Giannis disappointed in any way, because right. they all came through just as well as we would have hoped. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take our second break. When we come back, I want to pause there because we're going to talk about Giannis and the impact that this performance by Lowry and Siakam and Nick Nurse may or may not have had on the Greek Freak. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So a couple months back, I went on a tangent talking about like how I'm I, I'm just not about the notion of getting our hopes up about Giannis coming to Toronto. Not that I wouldn't welcome it. I obviously would love to see it, but there's a part of me that's just like we need to pump the brakes because 
realistically, it's more likely that he stays in Milwaukee than comes to Toronto. You yourself have echoed this on your own podcast. Um, I kind of wanted to get your take on this, though, because a lot of people are overblowing the notion, in my opinion, overblowing the notion that, you know, Lowry sitting next to Giannis at the lockers in the, in the All-Star game. Oh, that means he's coming to Toronto. Uh, the alley-oop, spoiler, two, three, one of the week, from Kyle Lowry to Giannis, that's going <laughs> to lead Giannis to Toronto. X, Y, Z, you know, for me, it's it, this is all fun, but I still see no evidence that this is going to happen. Is this prophecy going to be fulfilled finally? What's your take on the matter? The shorter answer is I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> that's the that's that's me trying to be rational. Mm. But 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 uh if Giannis does not sign the extension, the Supermax extension this offseason, you better believe that all the Giannis tweets I've been saving are totally getting used because <laughs> Let me remind you that this time last year, myself and Sean Woodley kicked off the Kawhi Sting bracket. Yep. And we went, you know, 32 deep, 32 different uh, reasons why Kawhi was going to stay. I have no problems starting a Kawhi, I mean, sorry, Giannis is coming to Toronto bracket this time uh, next month. However, that being said, I, I think it's somewhere around um, 70% that Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee. Most will probably have it much higher, and I'm not going to fault you for that. Um, but of the extra 30% or remaining percentage, however you want to call it, uh, that would be other than Milwaukee, I would give the largest percentage to the Raptors. And what the Raptors were able to do this past weekend was nothing short of perfection. And this is why I cared so deeply that Nick Nurse was going to coach the team. This right. is why I cared so deeply that Lowry was going to be named a reserve. This is why I voted 20 times a day to ensure <laughs> that Siakam was going to make it there. Because the more Raptor representatives, the more tampering we could do. And that's the great part of this is that the All-Star Weekend is almost like a, uh, you know, you, you have your, your your weekends in Vegas where it's like, okay, everything stays in Vegas. That's what All-Star Weekend was. It is tamper as much as possible because it won't be seen as tampering because you're actually on the same team for a weekend and you're actually going to be hanging out and you can actually talk to each other about stuff and it's not going to be seen as tampering. This is why I want as many Raptors there as possible. And every single interaction that they had, I mean, there was, I mean, I think it was Joseph Cacharo of The Score uh, had a video from the upper decks just zooming in on Nick Nurse talking to Giannis. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what I want to see. And if I'm getting overhyped about this and blowing this out of proportion, it's because every other Raptors fan is already doing that too. Um, but just to put a little bit of, uh, I guess, rationale behind that, I would say that it's probably not going to happen. But again, if he does not sign that extension, I cannot wait to start overblowing every single pro-Toronto Giannis news tidbit that I possibly can because I'm, I'm here for it and I'm sure you are too. Oh, yeah. 
like I said, don't get me wrong. I would love for Jan. Who wouldn't want him on on their squad? But for me, it's kind of like a lot of the evidence that people have been using to lend credence towards the notion that he has interest. For me, it's like it's it's funny, and I don't know how much of this is trolling. Obviously, like it's always fun because remember, think about the situation we were in as Raptors fans last year. Um, you know, whether or not Kawhi is going to stay. Like you just said, you made a whole 32-round bracket about it. Um, I remember that. I remember that whole entire series. Um, that was stressful as Raptors fans. Like, yes, we we were going on the championship run, but I, I don't think it's out of line to say that there was just a tiny sense of anxiety of whether or not Kawhi was going to stay during that championship run, during the euphoria of all that. You know, like, is this going to end as a result? Like, for me, that's just natural. So I'm wondering if Milwaukee fans are having those same anxieties right now. Even though it's still a year out, It's this is starting to pick up steam as to where Giannis is going to go. And I just, I just wonder if they're as you know, steadfast of him staying as like sort of the ownership is and uh, the front, their front office is. Um, and I'm genuinely curious about that. So if there's any Milwaukee fans, probably not, but if there are any Milwaukee fans listening to this, hit me up. I'd like to know. Um, but going back to the point for me, it's like people like to say, Oh, Nick nurse is coaching the all-star game. Well, how many people went to the bucks as a result of bud coaching last year, this past off season? Not many. And I'm not saying that means like, oh, so this is evidence that they're not going to go to the Raptors. I'm just saying, I don't know how much credence I can lend towards that. You know, and how many people played with Giannis and want to be in Milwaukee? Not many. Like, think about the free agents that signed elsewhere. Like, how many of them went to Milwaukee? Not many. In fact, Brogdon, you know, they didn't re-sign him, of course, but he walked away. Like, so it just makes me wonder. Think about the year before. I, was it Casey that coached the year before or was it Stevens? It was, oh, good question. I think it was Stevens. Okay. Who went to Boston? Not that many people. And if it was Casey, who came to Toronto? No, really no one as on their own free will, you know? like So I don't know how much I can lend credence towards the whole coaching aspect. And that's no disrespect to Nick Nurse. I just, I don't know how much, you know, stock players put into this. And playing together, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Giannis already knows that Siakam is a great player, already knows that Lowry is a great player. He knows the situation he's going to walk into wherever he goes. But let's not forget, Lowry might not even be on this team when Giannis is a free agent. Like, Lowry might move on. I don't know. Fred Van Vliet might not be on this team. He might move on. I hope not. I hope he doesn't move on. But he might not be on this team. This Raptors team could look incredibly different this summer of 2021. Right, And so it, it depends on the opportunities that are available for Giannis in Toronto compared to other teams. Um, so for me, I, I just don't know how much I can get attached to this. And yes, it's funny. Yes, it's fun to dream about. But I think like beyond the meme aspect, people are genuinely believing that Giannis is going to come to Toronto just simply because of the relationship that he has with Masai Ujiri. And hey, heads up, we don't even know if Masai is going to be here. So like this is like these are legitimate concerns that I have. You know, despite maybe the the dismay that Raptors fans are having listening to what I'm saying. But the reality is, none of this is a given. Like, all those things I listed aren't a given, so this is what makes me, you know, sort of trepidatious when it comes to Giannis coming to Toronto. Yeah, and uh, when, when, before I answer that, I just want to clarify, you know, we were correct in saying Brad Stevens was the coach of the All-Star team, but that was in 2017. 2018, it was actually during Casey. It was Casey, okay, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but back to your point, uh, you know, about this is that um, 
actually, I'm going to pose a question back to you then. If if you and I are in agreement that he's most likely going to stay in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, if he was, I mean, do you also agree that if there was a team outside of Milwaukee, would Toronto be the front runner or no? I think in the... I think that's a difficult question to answer because, and I don't mean to get like psychological slash philosophical with this, but I think people want to say yes under the guise of the 2019-2020 Toronto Raptors, right? And uh, I, I see, I, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's you know what point. I mean? You're right. Lowry's, you're, it's very likely that Lowry's not going to be here next summer. It's it's at least likely that he'll be here for the next season. But you're right. Um, Lowry taking charges and, and being the apple of everyone's eyes is not going to mean anything if he's not going to be here right. for the 2021 season, right? So I agree with you in that front. Um, I think that the the prospect of getting um, Giannis is still quite far-fetched, but I think what keeps me um, excited regardless of, of that, of whether or not the Raptors can get Giannis, is that the Raptors will still have a max slot, right? And mm. With a core of Van Vliet and Siakam and OG in place, maybe it's not Giannis, but that is also a summer of a very, very big treasure chest of max players who can turn your fortune. And yeah, maybe Giannis will be off the market, but that doesn't mean that other big names won't be. And we've already seen the magic that that Masai can work. And again, if he's not here. I hope Bobby Webster is because Bobby Webster is also a very <laughs> integral part of of this leadership team. And I I think if I were to guarantee one thing, is I would guarantee at least that Nick Nurse is here. Yeah. And with him as your coach, I mean we've seen what he can do when when the the team is depleted. Uh, he works magic. And uh, I don't know if I agree with you in terms of if. Nick Nurse being um, underestimated as coach of the year. I'm seeing it more and more now to the point where I am more shocked if I find someone who doesn't have him as coach of the year. So I think that, that we're, we as Raptors fans are in a good position of, of there will be a, a, an award winner coming out of this year, out of this team. Last year was Yakum and this year, if it's, if it's not Nurse, uh, I, I will be very much shocked. Um, but, but back to the point about Giannis, um, yeah, he may not sign here, but at the very least, the, the Raptors this weekend and throughout the last couple of years under Masai's direction continue to create winners. And you know that I made the point earlier about the Raptors for the ninth consecutive year are going to overpass what Vegas predicted, and that is a stat that I will hold on to, and I think every free agent is going to be reminded of. Um, when they start to consider where they will go in 2021, um, because this the the infrastructure that's in place, when you know that hey, this team doesn't even need draft picks, they're just going to pick out the Fred Van Vliet's and the Terrence Davises and, and the Chris Boucher's, that you have that confidence in upper management as well as the players that are playing alongside you. I do agree that if Masai Ujiri is still steering the ship in years to come i'm not worried about any circumstances thrown at the raptors way i'm not like it's it's gotten to the point that no matter what like even if we have zero draft picks Masai's is going to find someone undrafted and he's going to be awesome 
Like, he's just going to set the standard for this team and be like, how the hell did everybody miss out on this guy? Like he's doing with Terrence Davis. Um, you know, like, I, if that's the circumstances that we're in, then yeah, I'm confident. But, you know, what gets me worried are, I think 2020-2021 season is going to be particularly interesting, especially when it comes to Fred Van Vliet. Because, you know, we've, seen, we've heard the rumors about how they want to keep payroll open for the 2021 offseason. It makes you wonder... Do you think he's going to get a max extension from us? Because, like, I, it wouldn't surprise a lot of people talk about how Fred Van Vliet's not deserving of a max. Like, I've thrown out there, I think he's he can get more than Jalen. I really do. I think he can get more than Jalen Brown, and people are like, no way he's going to get more than that. I don't know. I think he's I think he's integral to this team's success, and it wouldn't surprise me if he got it. But if the if that's what the Raptors are going to do, can they even afford Giannis this the following year? Yeah, I think they can. Okay. Uh, I think with um, with with what Fred's because because Fred's contract is up at the end of this year, mm-hmm. he's not going to be signing an extension. He is looking for a new contract, and he's looking to get paid. And he's shown everything in terms of like what he is uh, deserving of. Um, in terms of Jalen Brown's contract, yowza, uh, that that is up there in terms of what Fred Bentley can command. Um, I think I can't help but think about the moves that were made in this past trade deadline. And who is left with cap space this offseason? Because this is Fred Van Vliet has skyrocketed to the top of the list in terms of uh, free un- unrestricted free agents this summer. Yeah, but it also coincides with a horrible list of teams who actually have the space. Um, you're looking at the Atlanta Hawks and the Detroit Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, and and even if he were to get a, a large uh, offer from a team like from any of those teams. I don't think it's going to happen. A Atlanta is already set at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Cleveland has two point guards. And the only one I could see them possibly make an offer would be Detroit. Does he really want to go play for Casey again? Yeah. Does he really want to be playing for a team that Andre Drummond said was a horrible what do we actually? You can correct me if I'm wrong on this. The Andre Drummond hate on Cleveland or Detroit situation? I can't remember which one he was. He was shitting on. He hated but on I, Cleveland initially. Oh, that's it. Okay, okay. He said it was as bad in Cleveland, even though he'd been there for like a day right. or something like that. Right. But anyways, the situation in Detroit is that is not is not ideal still. And I don't know if if I'm Fred. I mean, do you take an extra couple of million to play for Detroit, or do you stick with the Raptors? and uh, still earn a considerable amount of money. And this is the thing is the Masai has the, uh, has that as his, in his back pocket, right? It's like, okay, fine. I can offer you something in the ballpark of 20 to 22 million, which if, if the Raptors can get him to sign for 20 million, that is a win because that off, that leaves them enough space to go after Giannis. If it starts to creep up towards the 25 million, then you got to get a little bit um, uh, creative with your salary cap. But this is the other thing: is that even if Fred does sign for something in the ballpark of twenty-five million, a he will have earned it. But b uh, we can also trust that Masai can make a couple of moves on the fringes to make sure that there's that extra cap space ready for that max slot in twenty twenty-one. So right. I'm not too concerned that you know Fred VanVleet does end up signing a, a Jalen Brown-esque type of, of contract. Um, but I think that, you know, Masai has, has been very uh, 
creative in terms of what he can do with, with contracts. I mean, just look at this last, the past couple of signings he's had with regards to getting Kyle um, a little overpaid, but setting him up well for maybe he can sign for something a lot cheaper as a, uh, a thank you to the franchise. I don't know. I'm not relying on that personally, but right. I think that he he does well by you if you do well by him. And um, I think that the situation for Ventley will end up well for both parties. I hope so. Because, you know, dialing it back to the whole Giannis notion of him, you know, being attracted to this Toronto Raptors squad and us looking at it under the guise of the, the, the team that we have now. You know, if he doesn't come back, we're looking at, I think OG and Anobi will be up for an extension. He'll be an RFA come 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think at that point, Norman Powell's contract is up or it's one more year left. Um, Siakam's still on the books. But, you know, then you have, like, the Terrence Davises of the world, um, Chris Boucher, and that's really it. Like, you don't really have a lot left, right? So, like, in terms of attraction of what this organization can offer, on paper right now, there's not much there. So that's why I think it's important for them to keep these guys around and to sort of dip into the the bag and pay the tax because you want to stay, remain competitive, and you want to be be attractive to those free agents that are coming in and have something to offer, right? Have some sort of not promise, but some sort of stability there, saying like, no, our team's still pretty good. We can compete, and with you on this team, it'll just take us over the top. So that's why I think like it's going to be a, a nice little dance of what they do next year to prepare for 2021. Um, because it, I don't know, man, like it's. I, if they don't have an attractive squad on the on the you know ready and welcoming for these free agents, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, th- let's look at the what we have been, we as Raptors fans have been spoiled by over the last five plus years. Is the Raptors have been deep, right? Yes, we, yeah. if you think about the bench mob from a couple of years ago, and that evolution to what it is now, and this Raptors team has consistently been deep. What it can be if someone like a Giannis or another Max free agent were to join the team is it's an entirely different type of team. It's no longer your team that you can run out nine deep. It is very much a superstar heavy lineup that you're relying on. It is your um, like your LeBron AD and a whole bunch of role players who have their specific roles. And that's what it's going to be like to be cheering for the Raptors is you're, you're not going to be as deep. And, but what you could also end up having is guys who recognize, Oh my gosh, these are, this is probably the best duo in the NBA. Yeah. And I absolutely want to sign up for that at a minimum contract. This is where you get your, your veterans who are over the hill, but can still contribute where you can get someone like, I don't know, like a Kyle Lowry on a minimum contract. I'm just throwing out names here, but right. um, I think the the makeup of the team is going to be different than anything that we have ever seen on this franchise because we've been spoiled with a deep bench. And because we actually have a, um, you know, ideally at that time, two top five superstars, uh, you know, last year being the first time we've ever had one. So right. uh, the, the makeup will be different, but I think it'll be all be worth it if we can attract that big name in the summer of 2021. Well, if it's not Giannis, I have no doubt that Masai will do his homework and try to chase after one of the remaining. Um, You know, a lot of people still kind of, I feel like in the back of their mind may have hopes for Kawhi if Giannis doesn't work out. I'm not, I'm not seeing that. I think that, that 
book is closed and that's fine. Like we're sort of, at least I am beyond it by now. And, you know, I'm enjoying what we have now, but it's going to be interesting. It's just for me, I, I always like to, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. I know I am like, I, I'm, I'm the old man yelling at clouds here when it comes to, you know, telling people to calm the jets when it comes to Giannis. But like, I just can't get there in terms of this utmost confidence. And I don't at all feel like it's a given that he's going to come here. And, and, you know, I, I know you, have, you know, verbalized much of the same, but I do agree with you the notion that, you know, there are teams that have been consistently successful and the Raptors have to be at the top of the list. You just mentioned, you know, beating Vegas, uh, it's nine years in a row. So if that's the case, maybe I'm sure these, these things aren't blind to NBA players. Like I'm sure they notice the success of the Toronto Raptors and maybe there's something compelling and intriguing to them when it comes to this organization and how it's run, especially from, you know, the ground up from the, the G league system up. They are no doubt one of the best developmental systems in the NBA. So if that's an attractive trade, uh, not trade chip, but an attractive uh, piece of, you know, um, the piece of the team that free agents look for, this is a, a great destination. So, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add when it comes to Giannis and the Raptors? Uh, just, just to kind of hammer home the point is just, if it's not Giannis, it'll be someone else, and that alone has me excited. So, this, this. Uh, salary cap space that the Raptors have is going to be used in a way that will get us all excited, regardless of who that person or persons end up being. So, you know, I'm ready for it. I, you know, we've, Masai has very rarely let us down. So I don't see why this summer of 2021 will be any different. So I'm excited, dude, whether or not it's Giannis, like bring it on. I can't wait to see what this team looks like then, but for now, let's, this team is exciting as is. Well, speaking of this team, we're going to take our third break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's happening right now and what we can expect from the second half. Stay tuned. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, man, chop it up. When it comes to the second half of the season, what in particular are you looking for? It could be anything when it comes to, you know, injury recovery, when it comes to playoff aspirations, when it comes to certain schemings. What is it about the unofficial second half, quote unquote, that you in particular are looking for when it comes to the Toronto Raptors and perhaps securing the second seed heading into the playoffs or maybe even the first seed over to the Bucks, but more realistically, the second seed heading into the playoffs? Uh, I think the interesting part of this uh, second half of the season is, you know, there there will be a large uh, proponent of it that is geared towards making sure the team is ready uh, from a chemistry standpoint for the playoffs and also ready from a health standpoint. And that's going to be a very fine balance to watch because we've already heard um, that Gasol may not play anything more than 8 to 12 games in the second half of the season. Mm. Now, that may be a little bit discouraging to hear because this is his second time this season dealing with a hamstring injury. So what we won't know is, is he being held out because of his hamstring or is it more of a load management type thing where, okay, well, we're we're just going to play it safe. You know, we know we're going to make the playoffs. Let's just make sure Gasol is ready for the playoffs, Um, which I would, I would, agree with i think that that's probably the reason why he's not going to play as many games because look at how well surge is playing in his absence right um but having said that the second half of the season will be interesting because the raptors are there they're they've got 
a leg up on the competition. They took advantage of, the, I mean, this what this 15 game win streak told me is that they were able to take advantage of a soft part of the schedule. Now, people will claim, hey, you know, that's the reason why they got the 15 game win streak is because they were just playing easy opponents. Well, if that were the case, then every team would have a 15 game win streak when they hit the soft part of their schedule. Right. Um, but the re- the other reason why I was I was happy that the Raptors were able to pull that kind of win streak out was because it provided a bit of a cushion because what you were alluding to in March, this schedule does get a bit harder, right? There is going to be a road trip and starting March 1st, that includes the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Then there's another stretch in the middle of March where there's going to be a, uh, a four game stretch where the Raptors play in Philly then home to Boston, Denver, and the Lakers. So it's going to be a tough stretch when teams aren't quite letting, taking their foot off the pedal uh, because playoff spots are clinched. This is a time when teams are revving it up and trying to get that extra win and trying to move up in the standings and trying to win season series. So that little stretch in, in the middle of March is what I'm really looking forward to, to see where this team stands. Um, but let's also consider where the other teams are coming from. Other teams will start to take their foot off the pedal near the end of the season. Like I know that in April, the Raptors have a couple of tough ones on the schedule there with you know, a home-and-home against Milwaukee, a road game in Houston. But with only about six or seven games left in the season, is Milwaukee really playing everyone? Is this already a time of the season where Giannis is resting? I don't know. Um, is this a time of the season when, when Houston is looking at some sort of load management or even when the, the Raptors face the heat on the second last day of the season are they not really concerned about seating and just making sure that everyone's healthy I don't know right but what I do know is that this Raptors team will consistently do well regardless of who is on the court and that is what I am hanging my hat on in terms of how this Raptors team can finish the season is that while other teams may or may not be resting players we know that this Raptors squad regardless of who's on the court, can win every single game that they're playing. So that gives me hope that they can hold on to this two seed and enter the playoffs on a high and healthy. Yeah, you know, you look at the Celtics schedule, and obviously being in the region, I, I tend to take a deep dive into their schedule. It seems a little bit more daunting for them compared to to the Raptors. And it, it just seems like, you know, that's the team that's most likely going to chase us for that two seed. And, you know, ever since LeBron was when, sorry, when LeBron was in the East, it seemed like that was the last time the second seed was super important and you were really gunning for it. Now it's kind of like we're reintroduced to that. And the second seed is uber important because you kind of want to play a sub 500 team for the first round of the playoffs. Um, I don't see the Celtics getting it. And I, I do see the Raptors sort of riding high here and you're right it does get difficult it, it the like i said in terms of some opponents there are like pockets of games that are favorable to the raptors but you have those home and homes and you have a couple back-to-backs mixed in there it's it gets kind of rough but if anything i've learned from this team this season is that their resiliency is unmatched right and i i believe because they believe that they can be anybody no matter what circumstances are thrown their way. And they they fight until the end. They fight right up to the last 
second of every game when they're behind. And that's what encourages me that, you know, this team is special. This team is going to do whatever they can to run away with the two seed. And really, like, you know, you mentioned the home at home with Milwaukee. You mentioned the game against LA and Boston, that stretch with Denver. Um, I'm looking at those games and although like you could say, yeah, you could see a scenario in which the Raptors lose that. I'm by no means marking any game as an L. Like, for me, it's kind of like I can totally see them winning all these games. Now, that won't happen. Like, they're not going to go undefeated for the rest of the year. But I can definitely find a case, a substantial case, and a reasonable case that they can win almost every game. And so, having said that, like, I just don't understand how anybody can not have confidence in this team. And if they do claim the second seed, I think that is their easiest path to an Eastern Conference Finals, much like last year. And it really wouldn't surprise me if they have, if Orlando kind of turns it on. And, you know, has Kyrie been shut down for the season? Yes, Okay. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if Orlando captured the, the seventh seed. And we go through much of the same steps as we did last year. We have Orlando, Philly, and then Milwaukee. That wouldn't shock me at all. And if that happens, I think the Raptors kind of have an advantage there. Yes, I agree. And um, whether or not the Raptors can can lock up that second seed or or fall down to the third, it really will. I mean, let let's play out the scenario there. What if the Raptors do fall to third? That's probably a date with the Pacers, who they mm. just obliterated by almost fifty points. Or that is a scenario where, and, and I, I really don't think this happen is going to happen. But I really don't think Philadelphia is going to fall any further than fifth. Um, judging by how they're currently playing. I think there is some recency bias there in terms of, okay, well, they're not gelling. Al Al Horford's on the bench. I think the Pacers finishing in sixth seems reasonable to me. And if the Celtics were to somehow catch the Raptors and and put the the Raptors in in, in the three seed, I think the Raptors can get by the Pacers regardless um, fairly easily, as we've just seen. And... It's it's more the fact that the Raptors would not have home court advantage in in a very important series against the Celtics, and yeah. that is one that you know we have been waiting for for years, and it it seems like it's destined to finally happen. Uh, I think the stars are starting to align where it it will, but you know I, there's there's still a whole lot of of basketball still to be played, and an entire third of the season still needs to be played, but. I am drooling at the mouth at the thought of a <laughs> Boston-Toronto Eastern Conference semis because it's something we've been wanting and something we deserve, and it's something that if we finally do get it, the the dynamics of those two teams is going to be just must-watch every single second, and I can't wait for it. But I, I'm, I'm counting my chickens you know, before the hatch here, so uh, I don't know what you think. I mean... It, do you think that the Raptors are going to end up with a two seed, the three seed? Like, where do you see the, the Raptors falling? I just think they're going to stay at two, right? I, I think that the teams that Boston has to come in and face, it's a little bit more daunting. And I, I just don't know that their depth can support <clears throat> a, a bunch of wins uh, to close out the season, right? And that's the one thing about the Celtics that I'm just not confident in is their depth compared to the Raptors, right? And that was a big talking point at the beginning of the year, right? Mostly because Nick Nurse sort of like, 
you know, shit all over the depth in the preseason. He was like, no, this, our, our bench kind of sucks. And we were all kind of like, oh, God, what's, what are we in for? And, like, now it's sort of, like, straightened itself out, and I, I have no worries. But when it comes to the Celtics, I just don't know that they're going to be able to keep up. And given the circumstances that the Raptors have been faced with and the success rate that they've been achieving – I think that, you know, once Norm gets healthy and during those last, I don't know, 8 to 12 games that Gasol plays, that's going to really, I feel like, push the team to claim that second seed. And what we're seeing from the Celtics right now is that they have a fully healthy squad, right? And they have no one coming back to really propel them forward. So I, I think that's the difference maker that the Raptors have on their side that the Celtics don't. But if in the event that they do face each other in the playoffs, man, that's going to oh, man. That, for me, is going to be brutal here. It's just going to be brutal because I'm going to get it from all angles if they lose that series. I am going to get it from all angles, and that's fine. But, like, in terms of excitement factor, for me, that's going to be more exciting than uh, a potential Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee. Because you're right. Like, we have been waiting for that for a long time. And it's finally time that these two fan bases finally clash in the playoffs and be like, all right, let's find out which which team is better. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for that. And, like, just just even the playoffs in general, right? And, you know, we've kind of been hinting at this throughout the pod is that really the, the one thing that I'm really hoping for – outside of where the Raptors finish is just to be healthy. Mm. And the way that this organization is playing it out, already indicating that Gasol is not going to be playing a whole lot in the second half, I'm fine with that. We've already seen how this team can operate without him. And, you know, the the biggest thing at this time of the year, once the trade deadline passes, is, all right, so who's available on the buyout market? And, you know, usually you're going to get your... Eric Morelands or your Jeremy Lins. What I'm trying to get at is you're not going to get anyone who will change the dynamic of, of your outlook. But for the Raptors, that getting a healthy Gasol back, that's like getting a, a free all-star yeah. at the end of the season, right? So it's, um, it's very encouraging as a Raptors fan to get excited about what this team can be in the playoffs because they're already gelling. And, you know, we, we said this at the top of the pot in terms of how this defense looks like it's just moving on a string. Now throw in someone like a Gasol with his defensive versatility. <laughs> throw in uh, um, a more seasoned version of Terrence Davis, and that's Norm Powell, to bolster the the bench. I mean, gosh, I'm so excited. And the prospect of that with the confidence of being the defending champions, I mean, every team is going to be afraid of facing the Raptors. And that includes the Bucks. I think that the, you know, going back to the whole thing about Giannis is that, and, and what you had said earlier about, like, is this hanging over Bucks fans' heads? I haven't heard it yet, but I bet you it is. I bet you there's someone out there who wants to cook up a Giannis is staying bracket mm. because this is a make-or-break season for Bucks fans. And if... They face the Raptors. You'd better believe there's going to be a lot of PTSD stirring up. And <laughs> un- until until they they that last buzzer sounds, if, if they were to eliminate the Raptors, they are not going to be feeling at ease until that happens. Because you know they were almost up three up on the Raptors last year, and they still lost. So like they are never going to be settled until that happens. And you know that anxiety has to be building up there. And 
throw in the fact that Giannis might not be signing an extension and might be leaving, I mean, I I almost feel sorry for them for what they're going to be enduring over the next couple of months. But I don't because the Raptors have the upper hand, uh, at least psychologically. Makes you wonder if we are their Lebronto. Ooh, I like that. You know what I, I mean? I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that at some point last year, right after the Raptors eliminated them. Like, are we their Lebronto? And mm. you know what? Uh, you know, come hell or high water, if if they meet at some point in the playoffs, even if it isn't in the conference finals, you better believe that uh, there there's that extra weight on their shoulders. You know, you that that the Raptors have their number in the playoffs, and if they can't get past the Raptors despite possibly winning 70 games in the regular season, you'd better believe that the the whispers about Giannis not coming back to Milwaukee are going to get louder and louder. Yeah, because, you know, when it came to... That's a double-edged sword <clears throat> right there. That's like, you know, hit, hitting him twice because not only did, did Raptors fans have to, to be faced with the LeBronto thing three years in a row, you know, obviously the first time they faced LeBron and the Cavs, it was, you know, it wasn't as bad of a defeat because we went, you know, six games in the ECF. The other two, we were swept. But, you know, there was no fear that, okay, well, which Raptors going to go to Cleveland? Like, Milwaukee fans potentially have this issue over the head of, okay, well, we just lost to the Raptors a fourth time, maybe next year a fifth time, and now we have to worry about Giannis going to the team that beat us potentially oh five times, right? Like, that is a whole nother level of anxiety that I, like, we're taking that for granted because, like, just just think, uh, not to harp back too much about it, but think about the he-stay aspect times a million because if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm shitting bricks. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Man. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to backtrack a bit here in terms of what we were talking about with the, the Raptors and how this season is going to play out. I went to, um, you know, I, I constantly check among many websites, but I check 538 uh, mm -hmm. projections for yeah. the year. And they project, you know, who's going to win each game and they have their percentages and whatnot. The Raptors are only underdogs in five games for the rest of the season. And, that's got to be promising in terms of the Raptors' uh, ability to hold on to the second seed. If, if they obviously this is not going to play out how how it's projected, but I mean, if they're only you know underdogs in five of the remaining twenty five games, that to me seems like you know this Raptors team, even their ability to outperform when we least expect them to, and come through when they're depleted with injury. I mean. You know, sign me up. I think that the 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 number two seed is is theirs to lose. It's going to be interesting, man. I think that this is you know it's a lot less stressful. I feel uh, compared to last year because you know I've harped on this a couple of times. The expectations to start the year were low in comparison, right? I again, not no disrespect to this team. I, we had the preseason pod. If anybody wants to dig through the archives and check that out, you'll see that we weren't, you know, hating on the team, but I don't know that anybody had championship on the radar. And now, like, more and more, that's becoming a little bit more on the radar than the previous day. And, you know, maybe their chances come playoff time aren't great because it, it, the playoffs is a completely different animal. I don't know. Like, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball in front of us. But I am more encouraged today with this team than I was 
game one with this team because like they're they're showing a, a certain level of tenacity that I didn't know that they were capable of, and obviously like the championship pedigree, the intangible aspect of it, is you know sort of showing, and I I, I think what I what I guess I'm saying and you know to wrap this up. Be confident with this team. Like, believe in this team. And, and not to sound like Messiah, just believe in this team because they have given you no indication that they're ready to quit. And they have given you no indication that they're going to lie down. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a great way of wrapping this episode up because I I, I harp on that every day. I say that to anyone that comes at me with their, their slander or their doubts. Like, just, this is the this is the playing with house money season. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that we're going to continue hearing that the Raptors are the defending champions for the rest of the season. We're going to keep hearing that whenever we're, the, the Raptors are introduced for at least another four months. So <laughs> soak it in. Enjoy it. All right. Well, before we close it out, we're going to take our final break and we'll come back with the two sweet moment of the week and a few predictions. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's time for the Too Sweet Moment of the Week here on the South of the Six Podcast. All right, Jay, you said you were charged up when it comes to the Too Sweet Moment of the Week, so I kind of know where you're going with this, but I'll just give you the floor nonetheless. Go ahead. My uh, Too Sweet Moment of the Week is none other than Kyle Lowry's charge with James Harden coming at him. I know (laughs) it should probably be the one with Kawhi Leonard coming at him, but the James Harden one is the equivalent of a buzzer beater because Mm. if he doesn't take that charge harden wins the game with a three-pointer so that was the 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 kyle lowry equivalent to Giannis pinning lebron's layup on the glass so my two sweet moment two sweet moment of the week is kyle lowry taking the charge on james harden I know I shit on the aspect of Giannis coming to Toronto. I kind of poo-pooed it, but uh, my too sweet middle of the week was the alley-oop from Lowry. <laughs> I just loved it. But I, I just remember tweeting, the prophecy has been fulfilled. And so for me, it's just I, I part of the all-star game that I love. And obviously the, the trolling aspect with Giannis and whatnot, it was definitely present. So, you know, given the fact that Lowry had his moment with Giannis and it was on national TV, you know, much like the charges that he took, uh, I just loved it. It was one of those moments that I got out of my seat in watching the All-Star game in order to do that. It's always fun. So that was my two sweet moment of the week. So to wrap this up, let's go to predictions real quick. Uh, Tuesday versus Milwaukee at home. It's a TNT broadcast game. And then Friday versus Charlotte. Uh, I know you said this earlier, but I'll let you go. What are the out, uh, the outcomes of these two games? I think there are two wins. Uh, the The Bucks one specifically is the one everyone's going to be talking about. Um, the Bucks will be coming in playing the back end of a back-to-back, uh, having visited Washington, who we know is uh, a very quick team, high-octane offense. So at the very least, they're going to run Milwaukee quite ragged. And Milwaukee's coming off uh, a, a fairly difficult game against the 76ers. Okay, well, the second half wasn't quite much there, but what I'm trying to get at is a third game in four, four nights and you're going into Toronto. Uh, I don't think that Milwaukee can pull this off. Uh, and that is, even if I were to pull away my Raptors bias, I mean, that's that's a tall task, tall task to ask of Milwaukee considering they have not played I think they've played something like, oh, I was just digging up these stats from my article. The Milwaukee Bucks, 
since Christmas have only played six teams with a record above 500. <sighs> That's a ridiculously easy schedule. And of those six games, they only won three of them. So chalk this up. Toronto Raptors victory over the Bucks. And then the Hornets, I mean, that's just more of a formality. I don't think that this is going to be one of those letdown games. I think the sting of last year's two buzzer beaters against the Hornets are still prevalent with this team. So I imagine the Raptors will uh, take care of business against Charlotte. Yeah, I have no doubt about that, too. I got two dubs as well. The Raptors need to take advantage of these home games while they can, um, heading into that meaty part of the schedule. Um, I do think that riding this momentum... um, you know, the hiccup in the middle of the road with that 15-game win streak getting shut down by Brooklyn. I do think that, you know, they're still riding that and they're still coming out of this all-star break really, uh, you know, with with guns blazing like a bat out of hell. And tonight that was sort of echoed on the broadcast by uh, Matt Devlin when he said that Lowry isn't allowing any sort of relaxation. Like he wants to push the pace here and that's, you know, obviously evident when you watch the game. So um, I have two dubs and what better way to do it on national TV against the Bucks because this... Uh, first versus second seed is going to be something that's going to be a talking point. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me. Right now, it's a 7.30 game. Wouldn't surprise me if that got flexed to 8, but we'll see. Um, so we got two dubs heading into the week. It's going to be entertaining. Um, that Tuesday night, I think that you're going to see a lot of activity on Twitter. So we'll be there. And, you know, having said that, Jay, you know the deal. Uh, you can promote any and everything you got going on. I know once people listen to this, it will be Monday morning. So your article should be released later today, if not already. But uh, go for it, man. Floor is yours. Yeah, I, and I always enjoy coming on show, talking with you. So thanks again for having me on. Um, and you can find my work on Raptors HQ, which is where uh, I write the weekly article called The Wrap Up, which looks over the Raptors game of the week, uh, games of the week. Um, and then uh, also our podcast, That's a Wrap Podcast, is also on Twitter at That's a Wrap Pod. Um, where we usually record on Wednesday nights and it's released Thursday morning. So uh, look out for those. And sometimes we'll do the occasional Sunday edition episode too. Um, But yeah, it's a great time to be a Raptors fan, guys. So uh, you should soak in all the Raptors content that you've got. And, you know, check out Raptors HQ. Check out Tough the Six. Like, check out all, like, the amazing podcasts that are out there because the, the media right now is not. And this is your chance to make your statement and show some love to the local podcast show some love to the raptors podcast you're doing it right now by listening to this so continue doing that because this is where the real content is that we are not biased uh to any one team okay maybe we're biased to the raptors but it's uh it's totally worth the listen and uh we've got the numbers and the championship ring to back it up so <laughs> thanks again for for having me on and uh yeah i, I look forward to our next convo I think what Jay was saying is that we don't—we're not losing to uh, Zamboni drivers. We're actually, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, the independent media here. I think uh, you're right. I think we do uh, a pretty decent job when it comes to covering the topics that people want to hear. And maybe, you know, I, I say this a little apprehensively, but maybe the topics that the mainstream media aren't allowed to talk about, we we sort of dive deep into it. But having said that, all the links to you know Jay's Twitter, the That's a Rat podcast. Um, subscription where you can sign up and uh the raptors hq link will be in the description of this show i highly suggest subscribing to that podcast in fact that is the one thing that i look forward to when i go to the gym in the morning is i'm always refreshing my feed you know that's a wrap upload a new episode so i can get through the workout and it's always a pleasure listening to you guys but uh thanks again for coming on man we'll do this again soon 
Can't wait, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.